morning, everyone. Would you please stand?
thankful for the goodness of God this morning. Amen. Would you take a moment, welcome those around you.
Turn to your seats. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to uh, Northside Baptist Church. So thankful that you are here to worship with us today. If this is your first time, first time visitor, first time guest, we're delighted to have you. Welcome. We would uh, appreciate if you would let us know that this is your first time. There's a couple ways that you can do that. You can scan the QR code um, inside the bulletin. Just fill out a little bit of information about yourself online. If you're not comfortable with that, there are connection cards out there in the foyer. Um, if you can just fill one of those out and leave it with somebody that is out there, uh, we would greatly appreciate that. It helps me learn names, and I struggle with that, so I'd appreciate that. It also helps us just to be able to better love on you and serve you any way that we can. Well, last week you got to hear um, from Gary and then one of our students um, who went to camp. Uh, student camp this morning, you're going to get to hear from one of our chaperones and a couple kids who went to Centra Kid Camp. And so we want to give them an opportunity to share. And so we're going to do that right now. I believe, Jude, you're up first is what I've been told. I don't know if you lost rock, paper, scissors or what happened, but <laughs> you're up first. And then after you, Samuel, when he's done, you'll come. And then Eli, if you'll come when Samuel is done. such a great joy to be with the children to go to the camp um, first just seeing them um, being you know anticipating that uh, they were there not just to have fun um, but also to know more about God um, it's just just to hear from their from their mouths that they're not they're just it's not all about fun um, also just Watching them play, rib, rib each other, and, and just uh, had a great time. It was wonderful. Uh, but on top of that, the, watching them you know, in their sincerity to, to worship God, to study the Word, to um, just living life together, um, uh, it was a great joy. Uh, the, the theme of yeah, the, the, the center kid this year was wonder or knowing the infinite God. Um, it's great to see them uh, know that we have a big God, a God, a, a creative God, a, a God who, a personal God and, and also a God who, who relates to us, who, uh, who, who a reconciling God. We can all relate to that because we're all sinners saved by grace. Um, it's um, so I'm going to call one. Of, well, we we have two. Sadly, we have um, we have missing kids uh, this year. We, we, they're not here today. But uh, let me call who? Sam first. Um, so, Centric Kids this year was great. We learned about God through pretty much every single day. Our, uh, our theme was wonder, and the slogan was knowing the infinite God. Each day we learned about a different like theme, I guess. So, day one would have been a big God. Day two was a creative God. Day three was a 
a personal God, and day four was a reconciling God. So overall, Centric Kids was great this year. Um, hi, my name is Eli Madison. For some of y'all who might not know me, I don't think that's not, I don't think that's possible. Um, camp was really good this year, and growing in our faith, we just, we kind of felt the Lord inside of us, and that's what made me not want to leave camp. And like Sam and Mr. Jude said, we had different themes, and a big God, a personal God, a reconciling God, and a creative God. Um, not necessarily in that order, though. It's, it's not in the right order. Um, he, well, the preacher and the staffers taught us that, and during track times, they gave, they gave us deep breeze, uh, which is small devotions, and by that, I also learned a lot more about God. Uh, let me just add one more thing. Um, being, uh, knowing that God is a creative God, it just harkens to uh, the verse I, I'm always drawn towards. It's, it's in Psalm 8, verse 3 and 4. Uh, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Um, to date, the universe, as we know, it's expanding. It's, what is it, 94 billion light years in diameter. Uh, in our galaxy, I just looked this up this morning, there's um, um, one billion, about one billion stars just in our galaxy, and there, there's about two trillion galaxies in the known universe, in, in, the, in the observable universe. That does not include the, the parts that cannot be observed. And yet we have a, a great God um, who loves us and, and cares for us. It's just amazing. It's just an awesome God. Very good. It's always awesome to hear about how God is working in the hearts and lives of not only adults, but also in students. Um, so again, on behalf of Centric Kid and Snowbird, thank you, church, for your generosity um, in sending uh, these kids. Um, it was money well given, well spent, because I know the Spirit of God moved um, in their hearts and in uh, their lives. So what I want to do now is I want to go to the Lord um, in prayer, and then we will stand and worship together. Father God, we come to you. Lord, we have just sang about your goodness. Jude and Samuel and Eli also reminded us, God, of your greatness. We stand in awe. We stand in wonder of who you are. God, that you would make yourself known to us through your creation, through your written word, and through Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God, the word made flesh and dwelt among us. Father, we pray right now, Lord. God, I thank you. Lord, I know that there are many people today who are not thanking you.
But God, I am thankful for what we were able to see take place on Friday. Lord, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Lord, we recognize that that does not mean that abortion ends, but rather now it falls back to the states, to elected officials, and to those of us who have a vote. But God, I do believe that you are for life. Lord, that you knit us together in our mother's womb, and I don't see how there's any way that a believer can't believe that. Father, so we praise you for that. At the same time, God, I do recognize that it is the church of Jesus Christ who is to be the salt and who is to be the light. And if we are going to stand for the sanctity of life, and that means we have to value all of life. And so, Father, maybe more now than ever, the church of Jesus Christ must stand. We must do our part. We must go to those who are hurting, to those who are broken. We must love them. We must serve them. We must get involved in their life. We must pray for them. We must welcome them into our homes. Lord, we have to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. So help your church, the worldwide church, the universal church, the individual churches of Noonan, Coweta County, to the ends of the earth. Father, may we in this moment thank you for what we were able to see take place on Friday, but to understand the challenge and the opportunity that is before us. And God, this morning, as we begin to look at some of the parables that Jesus told, the parable of the lost sheep, of how the shepherd went in search of the one, how, Father, there is much rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, may we see your heart, O oh God, this morning. And may, be the, and may the very thing that brings joy to your heart bring joy to our hearts, and that is seeing lost people saved reconciled to God the Father, discipled so that they grow in their walk with Jesus, so that their lives are forever changed. Father, your church is the healthiest and the strongest when we are about your mission, which is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's what we are to be focused on. So help us to do that, we pray. Father, we're going to sing in just a moment about when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Well, Father, my prayer is this morning there will be rejoicing in heaven as lost people are saved and that we'll have an opportunity to rejoice with them because one day we will be face to face with you, Jesus, and there will be much rejoicing. But may that rejoicing start now as we get focused, God, on the work that you've called us to do. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Let's worship together.
of the earth. Your way is perfect. Your word is flawless. You shield all who take refuge in you. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure.
can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, at this time we have Children's Church for our youngest group, so our pre-K, kindergarten through second grade. It's the last Sunday of the month, so you're going to hang out in here with us. So our younger kids can make their way out right now. Everyone else, if you'll take your Bibles and turn not to the book of Ephesians, but to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. We love stories. We love stories. In a land far, far away, right? they lived happily ever after. Good stories captivate us. And some of you are incredible storytellers. You're just really good storytellers. I'm not one of those. But you are good storytellers. Jesus Christ was the best storyteller. Now, we have to understand, he was far more than just a great storyteller. He was the Messiah, the Son of God, Savior, but he was a great storyteller. And he spent three years of, of his life doing public ministry in which he would teach often. And in his teaching, he would often use stories. We call those stories what? Parables. The Greek word for parable means to set beside literally means to set beside. It's often a word picture, um, a short narrative with symbolic meaning. You've heard it said, I've heard it said many times that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So Jesus in his teaching would, would lay out something that those listening could relate to like sheep. And, and then aside that, there would be a deeper heavenly meaning. And he would use that story because sometimes people would listen maybe more intently to a story. And, and he would try to put you in the story so that you could hear and then hopefully, right, you would have ears to hear and you would hear what Jesus was saying. And so what we're going to do this summer is we're going to spend some time in some of the parables of Jesus. 
And then as we get to the middle to end of August, we'll come back to Ephesians and, and finish out Ephesians 5 and chapter 6. But I know people travel a lot in the summer. And so when you're doing the parables, if you miss a Sunday, right, you can come back the next Sunday and jump into another story. If you travel, you go to the beach. Uh, maybe you can listen to one of the sermons while you're at the beach. Right, read the story, the parable of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, Luke 15, verses 1 through 7, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word? Beginning in verse 1, this is the Word of the Lord. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. You may be seated. So when we're looking at a parable, looking at a story of Jesus, we need to understand the context. In fact, whenever you study the scripture, you need to understand the context. Don't ever pull a verse or a passage out of its context. And so what is the context? What leads Jesus to tell these specific parables? Well, in this case, it's very clear. The author, Luke, makes it clear for us. You look at verse 1. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. The him there is Jesus. So, who is drawing near to Jesus? Tax collectors, who were considered some of the worst sinners, traitors, uh, the Jews considered them traitors, and sinners. Sinners there could encompass many people. Those are the very people who were drawing near to Jesus. Now, verse 2. And the Pharisees and the scribes, these are the religious leaders. They would consider themselves to be the religious elite. What are they doing when they see the tax collectors who they despise and the sinners who they despise drawing near to Jesus? Well, they do what some Baptists do. They grumbled. They begin to complain. The Greek word means to express discontent in an emphatic way. So the Pharisees and the scribes, as they stand back on their high horse, are enraged that these wicked sinners would come to Jesus. Now the question has to be asked, why were they coming to Jesus? Because they understood that Jesus loved them. And because they understood that Jesus loved them, and they heard about some of the things that Jesus was doing, they were interested. And so they came to Jesus. This, this should not surprise us. In Luke 19, we read about a wee little man named Zacchaeus, who happened to be a what? Tax collector. And Zacchaeus is seeking after Jesus and has to climb up that tree just so he can see Jesus. He's seeking after Jesus. Again, this shouldn't surprise us. In Matthew 9, 11, we read, Why does your teacher, that's Jesus, eat with tax collectors and sinners? Well, Jesus and his teachings provide the answer. He says on one occasion, this is Luke 19, after the story of Zacchaeus, I came to seek and save the who? The lost 
I came to seek and save the lost. In another place, he says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So the sinners are coming to Jesus. The religious elites are grumbling about the sinners coming to Jesus. So what does Jesus do? He tells three stories, three parables, all recorded right here in a row in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to look at the parable of the lost sheep. I would encourage you this afternoon or this week to study the parable of the lost coin and then to study right, the parable of the prodigal son. So he tells three stories in response to their grumbling about who's coming to Jesus. And so that is the context for what Jesus is about to say. Now, before we look at the parable, drop down to verse 7, because this, this is the thing he wants you to take away from the parable of the lost sheep. This is the heavenly meaning. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And then verse 10, in light of the parable of the lost coin, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then in the parable of the prodigal son, right, we see the father rejoice and run to his son who has left him and squandered all his inheritance, who comes back to the father, the father runs to him. And so as we look at this parable, what I want you to understand is the love of God the Father. We're actually going to sing about that after the sermon. That was not planned. Brian did not know what I was preaching on when they put that together. Right? That's just God and how he works. But I want us to see, as we look at the shepherd, I want you to see five things about the love of the Father, and then I'm going to give you two points of application. So number one, I want you to notice the individual love. The individual love that the shepherd has for the one sheep and the love that the father has for individuals. So here's the parable. So he told them this parable. What man of you, again, trying to put you in the story, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? So a shepherd is doing his job as a shepherd. He's keeping track of his flock. And I could just see the shepherd, he's counting 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. And he realizes one of his hundred sheep is missing. Now that's 99% odds. It's pretty good odds. But we understand that the shepherd cares about all of his sheep. He's responsible for all of them. So when he realizes that one of them is missing, what does he do? He leaves the 99 safe, healthy sheep to go after the one. And it makes sense if you think about it. So I have a brother and a sister. My brother is Justin. My sister is Amberlyn. Can you imagine when we were younger, we're sitting around the dinner table, and my dad says, Helen, where's Aaron? And my mom says, well, you know, Leonard, I haven't seen him all day long. I'm not really sure where he is. But don't worry about it because we got two more kids right here. Let's just go on with our life. Like, no parent would do that. Like, we took 20 students to camp. We brought all 20 back. We didn't come back and say, hey, we got 19, but that's pretty good odds. No, if one went wandering, we would have went to find them. And so it makes sense. If your son or daughter goes missing, you will search for them until you find them. Now, most of us in this room have probably had a pet go missing. 
I'm not a huge fan of pets. I had a dog growing up, and I got tired of chasing that dog. And so I, I just, we don't have pets. But some of you have pets. You love your pets. If one of your pets go, goes missing, you will go look for it. You will put posters up because you want to find that pet. It makes sense. The shepherd cares for all of his sheep. The Bible tells us, for God so loved the world. We know that. But God also loves individuals because he has created each of us in his image. Right, And we have wandered away from Him. We have rebelled against Him. So hear me, this morning, God loves you. There may be 140, 150 people here this morning. God loves each one of you. It is an individual love. He knows your name. Just as the shepherd knew his sheep, He knows you. Secondly, it's a patient love. You understand that you and I are like sheep. In fact, the Bible is clear, Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. So this sheep goes astray. And just like this sheep, you and I, created in the image of God to worship God, willingly disobey Him. We wander away from Him. Now listen, the sheep may be foolish. They might even be plain stupid. But what's the shepherd do? He goes to find it, to bring it back. He doesn't say, well, that sheep, it's always been foolish, so let's not worry about him. Or this is the fourth time this week this sheep has wandered off. I'm tired of chasing it. He's on his own. Let the lion get him. No, that's not what the shepherd does. And hear me, that is not the heart of God. God's love is a patient care for his individual sheep. We sing about the goodness of God. Aren't you also thankful for the patience of God? The number of times that God could have said, I'm not worried about him anymore. I'm tired. But no, he continues to pursue us because he loves us. And he has a patient love for us. I love what James Montgomery Boyce writes in his book on the parables. He says, you are valuable to God even in your lost condition. You may be worthless in your own sight because you can only see what you have made of yourself, but you should learn that you are valuable to God because unlike yourself, He is able to see what you were created to be and what He can yet make of you. Sometimes all that we see is what we've become. What God sees is what we were when He created us. And God can also see what he can make you and I if we would just yield to him and give our heart and our lives to him. How he can change you and shape you. And so it is a patient love as God has made a promise to conform you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. It's a patient love. Number three, and maybe this is the one we see the most here, and that is that it is a seeking love. Who takes the initiative here? It's not the sheep. That sheep probably never comes back on its own. It's the shepherd who takes the initiative. A lost sheep in Judean wilderness was in major trouble. The shepherd doesn't wait for the sheep to return. He goes after the lost sheep. Look what he says. If he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one. He goes after the one that is lost until he finds it. You and I... Let me give you some bad news. We're the lost sheep. Some of you are still the lost sheep. You need to realize that. That apart from Jesus Christ, you are lost. 
You are lost. As lost as this sheep, you are lost apart from Jesus Christ. You are in a miserable condition apart from God. Apart from Christ, you are lost, you are hopeless, and you are purposeless. And there is no way for you to fix that. Ephesians 2.12 says, right, we have no hope and we are without God. Listen to how W.A. Criswell describes the sinner. The sinner is lost in this life. He has no God to pray to. He has no Christ in his heart. He has to drink or he has to take drugs. He has to be entertained or amused. He can't live with himself. Life is not all sunshine. Life is not all joy and gladness. There are sorrows and disappointments and despairs that come into every soul, and we need God. And without Him, we are lost. The sinner is lost in this life. You are like the sheep. That's what the tax collectors and the sinners begin to realize. They begin to realize their lostness. They begin to realize just how far away from God they were. And so they begin to come to Jesus because they begin to believe Jesus can do something about this. That's why they're coming. Apart from Jesus, we are lost. So what does the shepherd do when he finds the sheep? Does he scold it? Does he beat it? Does he drag it home? Now what does it say? It says he picks up that sheep and he places it upon his shoulders places it upon his shoulders, and he walks that sheep back to safety. That's what the shepherd does for the sheep. And hear me, that's exactly what God did for each of us if we are in Christ. Because we were lost, and God the Father came searching for us. He sent his Son, Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us God pursues us God searches for us he does this prior to salvation and hear me he continues to do this after salvation some of you have wandered away from God you made that commitment maybe years ago Jesus you're going to be Lord and Savior of my life I'm going to follow you and you've wandered away from that you're not walking with Jesus anymore listen I believe God is still pursuing you that God through His Holy Spirit is drawing you back to Himself, where you will find forgiveness and reconciliation just as the prodigal son found it when he returned home to the Father. So it is a seeking love. But number four, it is a costly love. It is a costly love. You and I need to realize the cost of the search. This shepherd could have been exhausted been a long day. He's got 99 safe sheep, but one of them went rogue and decided to go do its own thing. And so now the shepherd has to go out and he has to deal with the wilderness. He has to deal with the terrain and the weather. While we were at Swoe, they were focusing on the life of David. 1 Samuel 17, 34, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and he took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. That's what shepherds had to deal with. And so the shepherd once again has to risk his life to go find the sheep, the terrain, the weather. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. 
What did it cost God to rescue you and me? It cost his son his very life. Matthew 1.21, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 1 Timothy 1.15, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Paul was once a Pharisee. He was once considered to be the religious elite, but he came to realize his need for a Savior, and that his Savior was Jesus Christ. This morning, I want you to understand, you need a Savior, and His name is Jesus. This world can't save you. A spouse can't save you. A girlfriend, a boyfriend can't save you. Your parents can't save you. A job can't save you. Getting into the right school can't save you. Only Jesus can save you and reconcile you to God the Father. But it costs Jesus His life. It's a costly love. And then lastly, it's a rejoicing love. This blows me away. He picks up the sheep. Puts it on his shoulders, and the shepherd begins to rejoice. Now look at this. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors like he's going to throw a party for the sheep that left the fold. Like, come on, we're going to celebrate because I brought home my sheep. I think I would have been like, dude, you got 99 good ones here. Why am I really coming to this party? Like for real, I've got other things to do, but not the shepherd is going to throw a party because this one sheep is found. He says, rejoice with me for I found my sheep that was lost. And then he says, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. One sinner, the sinners that you grumble and complain because they're coming to me, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who think they don't need repentance, who think they don't need to come to me for salvation. There's joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. And what we see here is the necessity of repentance. Now, when Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep and of the lost coin, he cannot show repentance. Like, how does a sheep repent? How does a coin repent? Like, that coin didn't do anything. The woman just lost it. So he can't show the need for repentance in the parables, but he does talk about the joy in heaven when someone does repent. But in the story of the prodigal son... He does illustrate what repentance looks like. That when that son comes back home, that son is coming home repentant, right? Saying, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. There's repentance there. Repentance is absolutely necessary for salvation. Absolutely necessary. And so when these sinners and these tax collectors come, what they're going to do is they're going to repent. They're going to turn from their sin and take hold of Jesus. And when that happens, the heavens and the angels in the heart of the Father is to rejoice. There's a party. Like there's a party going on right now because somebody has given their life to Jesus just this second. And the angels and the Father rejoice James Montgomery Boyce says, We are never so like God as when we rejoice at the salvation of sinners, and we are never so like Satan as when we despise those who are thus converted and we think ourselves superior to them. 
That's what the religious people thought. I'm superior to these folks. And they missed everything. And so Jesus lays down this story to teach us some things. And here's two points of application. Number one is this. Have you repented of your sins and experienced the love and grace of God? This morning, right where you are, can you say, Pastor, there was a moment in my life where I repented of my sins and I put my faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And as a result of that, because of His grace, I experienced reconciliation and forgiveness. Now, Matthew 18, we also read of the parable of the lost sheep. It's recorded there. And in that account, we read these words. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Right? It's not the will of God that any should perish. God created us, made us in His image. It's you and I that chose to rebel Him. It's you and I that chose to walk away from Him and to no longer worship Him, to turn our backs against Him, to blaspheme Him. And it's God in His grace and His love who pursues us, who says, I love you. I have something in, in store for you, a plan for you to save you, to change you. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 7, says this. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man His thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, hear me, that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That verse makes a promise. God will have compassion on us. God will abundantly pardon us. That's the promise. But there's a call here. And that call is to forsake our wicked ways. And that the unrighteous man would forsake his thoughts and we would return to the Lord. There is no salvation apart from turning from your sins and turning to Jesus. Repentance means a recognition of your sin. Can you right now, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, recognize the sin that is in your heart? Will you recognize it? Will you call it what it is? And will you turn away from sin? Stop making excuses. Stop blaming people. The prodigal son didn't make excuses. He didn't blame anybody else. He took responsibility. And this morning, you must retake responsibility for your sin right now. Will you do that? Will you confess? Will you repent? Have you repented of your sins and experienced the love and grace of God? And here's the second point of application, and that is this. Are we as concerned about the lost as Jesus is? Are we as concerned about the lost as Jesus is? If we are honest, church, we grow complacent in the mission that Jesus has given us. Our marching orders are clear. We are to go make disciples. And we're to do it to the ends of the earth. And when the church does that, we most glorify God. When we are living on mission and taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, what excites God should excite us. God delights in saving. He delights in repentance. He delights in forgiveness. He delights in faithful obedience. He delights in changed lives. And so just as the shepherd goes to search for the sheep, and just as the father went searching for you and I to save us, so are we as the people of God, to go search for the lost. We are to search 
them out. We are to be mindful that they surround us, that they're all around us. People living in hopelessness without purpose, lost and on their way to hell. They're your neighbors, they're your family members, they're your co-workers, they're the strangers you pass in the grocery store. Search them out and then share the gospel with them. Share the good news of the gospel with them. And when they repent and when they believe and when God allows us to see that, rejoice. Rejoice far more than we could possibly rejoice over anything else because the lost people have been found. The dead have been given life all because of our Father. And He gets all the glory. Friday afternoon, I was in my office and I saw online that one of my students, when I was a student pastor at the age of 30, died. It was a sudden medical event. Um, there are things that, that hit you, and this hit me. Just fighting back tears. This was a, uh, an energetic, fun girl sent me a message on, on Messenger about a, a year ago just thanking me for the impact that Ryan and I had on her life. But I sat there, and the reason it hit me so hard, and it's hitting me so hard right now to the point where I've just kind of felt off the last couple of days, is because just in some things that I saw, it looked like she had, I don't know if she walked away from the Lord, I don't know if she ever had given her life to the Lord. I don't know if she was just struggling. But she just didn't look like she was following Jesus. And had this major medical situation. And I sat there and I said, I don't know if I can say with confidence that she's in the presence of the Lord. And it hit me because I never reached out and said anything to her. I never tried to encourage her. I never tried to say, hey, what's going on? I never tried to call her. I never did that. Because sometimes we get so caught up in what we're doing that we lose sight of what things are to really be about. And that is to come alongside people who are hurting, to come alongside those people who are lost, and even those who, believers who are just struggling, and just to speak truth in their life and to walk with them. And church, if we're honest, we've stopped doing that faithfully. So this morning, Friday, when I was preparing, this is not where I thought this was going, but God just really gripped me, and so I'm just going to call you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, I'm going to call you to repentance. And if you say, Pastor, I'm not as concerned about the lost as I ought to be, then I'm just going to call you to repentance. If there's somebody in your life that you know is hurting and you know is struggling, whether it's with something spiritual or something else, and you've just neglected to call them to say, hey, how can I pray for you? How can I encourage you? I'm just going to challenge you to do that. Do that today. Do that this week. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Don't put off for tomorrow, which you can do right now. So would you close your eyes and bow your head? Father God, in just a moment, we're going to sing about how deep the love of the Father is. God, I stand here as one who has been saved, one who has been redeemed, 
one who has been forgiven and reconciled and it has nothing to do with me and has everything to do with the grace and the mercy, God, of, of you. That you would send your son, that he would willingly lay down his life, that you would seek me and pursue me. And on June 18, 1990, you would, you would call me out of my sin unto repentance and you would cause me to be born again unto living and eternal life. That's what you did in me. God, you have done that in many others in this room and millions and millions around the world. So we thank you for that. And God, even this morning, you're still pursuing us. You're still loving us. And even though, God, we fail you over and over, God, you're always there, never abandoning us, never forsaking us holding on to us in the palm of your hand so that we will not perish, but so that we can have that eternal security in Christ. God, I also believe you're drawing and speaking to those this morning who are here in this room watching online who have never given their life to you. And So God, I pray right now that you would just speak to them just as you called me out of my sin and called me into salvation, you would do the same for them right now, that they would confess their sins, that they would confess, Jesus, that you are Lord, Savior, of their life, that today they would make that commitment, that pledge, that covenant to you. And then, Father, for those of us who are believers, as we see the shepherd leave the 99 to go find the one that was lost, and as we think about, Father, your heart and what causes you to rejoice and what causes heaven to throw a party, God, may it compel us to be serious about the mission that you've given to your people. Father, we pray that you would speak to us right now. Speak to our hearts as we sing about your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The altar is open this morning. If you need to come and kneel and pray, if you want to take somebody by the hand and say, hey, will you come pray with me? The altar is open. Would you stand? Let's worship together. No power, no wisdom, but 
be seated for just a moment. Just wanted to share, um, and Steve is, is giving me permission to share this, but uh, some of you were able to be uh, there last night for their 50th wedding anniversary celebration. And he shared with me this morning and came and asked that I would pray. Um, his brother, who, who shared and some of you got to meet, is not a believer. And so he just asked him that I would pray uh, for him, Steve and his brother, as Steve is going to seek to just again share the gospel with him and has been praying for him. What, Steve, what's your brother's name? Richard. Richard. That's what I was thinking, Richard. So if you will just lift up uh, Richard and lift up Steve specifically as he seeks to share the gospel. If you were there last night, and it was an incredible gospel witness uh, of Christ and, and how he can change lives in a marriage. And so he saw that last night, but just specifically praying um, for his heart. If you would do that, I know that they would appreciate that. Just some announcements um, to make. We have our watermelon social tonight at 6 o'clock. We do it over here near the building where there's actually some shade, uh, which is really nice. We thank the Lord for a shaded area. It's a lot of fun. Um, there are a lot of watermelons, and they are massive watermelons. And so there's going to be a lot of watermelons to eat. So please come tonight. It'll be at 6 o'clock. Stay as long as you can. Um, one thing that we're going to do is we're going to have a watermelon carving um, part of that. So there's going to be four watermelons that are going to be carved. So here's what we need. We either need an individual or a group. If you want to get your, a group together this afternoon, that you come back tonight and you're willing to carve one of these watermelons. Um, so we'll, we'll have a, a contest for that and got some other things planned as well. Just a couple other things. Um, our Families for Families meeting that was supposed to be tomorrow, we're postponing that just because um, some sickness that was going around. Our seniors are going to Buckner's on Thursday. Um, please sign up. If you plan to go to that, sign up before you leave so they can plan for that. VBS, if you have not signed up for VBS, please do so just so we can plan. We can know how many kids are coming. It's very easy to sign up, so please do that um, today. I think that is all uh, that I have. Um, and so we got a lot going on, so be a part of that. All right, Kevin, if you'll come, if you'll stand, Kevin's going to dismiss us with a word of prayer. Dearly, Father, we just, uh, just thank you for this awesome opportunity to gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ this morning and praise and worship you. Just ask that you would uh, be with Richard, that you would uh, soften his heart and be with Steve as he shares the, the gospel with him, dear Lord. Uh, just be with us as we travel away and bring us back safely this evening. In your heavenly and gracious name, amen.